And Robin is going to be sharing along with Gary and Kathy next week about their, um, okay, two weeks, two weeks. Our, we're going by way of television now. We want to thank all those who are joining us, and we want to thank those who make it possible for us to do this presentation um, by radio and television and YouTube and all the other modern means of communication. And we do um, thank you for taking time for us as we take time for you to get into your, your homes. And many of you um, are unable to um, hear us um, by being present in church. I had like almost three funerals here coming up because of people that that hear, hear us by way of television and that, that's their only means of, of worship. So we are very grateful. We remember the Petrie family that's going to be um, 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 doing your graveside service. We had a Fort Snelling service. Um, I appreciate Fort Snelling to accommodating my schedule. I, I, I normally I skip breakfast and I um, try to skip dinner and when I skip dinner, they accommodate me by doing um, uh, like a 12 o'clock, a 12 o'clock graveside service. And we just really appreciate the staff of Fort Snelling, many who listen to our, our services and our retired vets, and we can't give enough um, tribute to all those who have served God and country, and, and they're just really a lack of supply of military chaplains and that, and I consider a real honor and privilege uh, doing graveside services and funeral services and the sundry family and a number of other families that we keep in our thoughts and prayers. I keep a little um, little, little um, picture on my desk. It's, uh, it's Chris and, and Katie, they're, they're sitting on the couch. You know, just a few years ago, I think it probably was four years ago, Chris and and Katie and, and um, our other uh, biker groups and, you know, Chris had one of my favorite hats on, you know. I always think of military police. It's good to have Chris back with us. He was on the road a couple weeks now. He's been babysitting and I know that can be a real workout. I think he's lost about 10 pounds, you know, taking care of those grandkids. And Joyce, you know, it's good to see that you brought Nona and I thought I seen Mike. Oh, there's Mike. <laughs> sometimes I have a little double vision there. And then sometimes I just don't. Amen. And Martha, good old Martha's back. I just hope, Martha, you can, you know, I, I, I guess I don't want to say it that I don't want you to sell your house, but I, I, I know what. What, you know, God's got in store for you is great things. So again, welcome all those by way of television to all of it, United Methodist Church here in wonderful Robbinsdale, Minnesota, and we do consider it a great privilege, and we thank the local television program that makes this possible, and all the video um, and tech, technique people that um, make it possible to, for um, us to do this broadcast. So our opening worship um, this morning, as um, we kind of prepare, this is a is a kind of an interesting day because churches are uh, wanting to consider, uh, and I think it's um, 
irregardless of whether you're liberal or conservative churches, you realize the chaos, the breakdown that's going on in around the world and that you gotta be living in a, in a closet if you don't realize the chaos that's occurring the last few months and especially in Afghanistan with the many Christians and we've heard reports of gathering Christian ministers, gathering Christian ministers, a good pastoral friend of mine who goes to a large, large Christian church. His pastor recently sent out an email that on last um, Friday they, they, had, they had rounded up a total of 225 um, ministers and they were planning on beheading them, beheading them. And, um, you know, the fake news, which, you know, I know a lot of gullible people listen to it continuously, and they have trouble when I talk about fake news, but, you know, that's, that's the way it goes. You know, you got you to tell white is white and black is black and fake is fake, you know, but you, we got to come against the demonic activities that are going on in our media and, you know, in politics today, you know. There's a big separation that's occurring in the world, folks, and, you know, it's the elect are even uh, kind of falling for some of the delusion that's going on in the world. But the good old faithful hymns and the good old faithful scripture that we expound uh, keeps you on the, the, in the truth and the life and the way, which is Jesus. And our um, opening hymn this morning is a, is a wonderful hymn. And um, we... Um, Thank God for the, the Bartella family that's worshipped with me for almost 50, 60 years now. Grew up next to them. They were um, members of Bertha Hewitt Wrightstown um, Church back in the early 70s. Then they uh, moved from to the Staples area, and you know, it was just a number of years ago that we celebrated their 75th wedding anniversary. And, Ethel still is amongst us, and flowers on the altar, flowers in memory of Lawrence Bartella. So let us um, stand and sing of our Redeemer Christ in our red hymnals number 408, please. 408, if red hymnals 408, please.
Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. And um, our next hymn, hymn of prayer and preparation, Search Me, Search Me, O God, Red Hymnals, number 387, for the honor and glory of God and the anniversary of Ray and Betty Wozik, who I talk to quite frequently, and they just dearly and deeply miss um, being here and present. They're having great difficulties, and they do appreciate calls, so give them a call on their anniversary. 387, Red Hymnals, please.
to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just want to thank you for our scripture today as we delve into um, Luke chapter 9, verses 7 through 11, and those by way of television or radio or um, other means of communication that are hearing our service, that they can study along with us uh, these great truths that Luke, Dr. Luke, or the physician, is, is dealing with a, a Gentile audience, and we we thank you for all the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and, and John, and particularly Luke 9, verses 7 through 11 today. And Father, we just um, pray that as um, Franklin Graham, today's special call to prayer for people of Afghanistan, there are thousands, thousands of people are desperately trying to escape from Afghanistan after the country's fall to the Taliban, one of the greatest tragedies in, in our lifetime. And, and we, we come against this demonic plague that is, is causing such a curse on, on women and the female population there and the Christian population. And with the Taliban blocking access to the airports and all excess routes, this is a a life or death situation for Christians and and other religious minorities that are held hostage. And normally the protocol for the um, military has always been that the military have always been taken out last and, and there's such a rear end leading right now that um, we know of those who worked for or for America over the past Two decades are are being being ostracized and demonized, and we we come against that demonic Taliban in the in the cause of Red China and Russia, and, and we can't truly understand all the Islamic terrorists and terrorism who have who have taken Afghanistan by force. They have such a history of brutality, and including beheadings and public executions. Time is short, Lord, and the need is, is so urgent. And this is why Franklin Graham, as president and CEO of Samaritan's Purse and the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, is calling this a day of prayer, a day of prayer today, Sunday. And there's, there's no hope for those people to get out safely apart from a miracle, a miracle from the hand of God. It seems like our own leaders have, have chosen to use a rear-end strategy of, of, of the worldview rather than a Christian view and a religious view, and that's what we need to pray for. And even Anne Graham Lotz sends out this urgent, heartfelt prayer for the Afghanistan country and surrounding areas and as the report goes out that supposedly the United States is to be a land of the free and we see that according to prophecy some leaders have destroyed destroyed our credibility. Samaritan's Purse is currently partnering in other groups that are working diligently to help people get out of the country and to watch this hurts. It hurts. And even the youngest 
youngest Graham son who works with Samaritan's Purse, who served in six combat deployments, six combat deployments within special operation forces in Afghanistan, has said that he spent years, years there and, and has lost many friends. And there are many Afghan people that all of us are called to love. Even my own son-in-law was, as he was at Volk Field and seen and witnessed translators coming in and being transported to various areas of our country. This is a, this is a man-made disaster. And there, there isn't a person or organization can, can fix this. Only God, only God can deliver us from this crisis. There are those that are in denial, and, and we just pray, Father, that you take the blinders off of those who, who don't understand and comprehend the military strategy and even Christians, Lord. We also pray, as Mike has shared with the, the family needs of his particular family, of, of, of Tina, Lord, and the relatives and the situations that are going on with Diane and his, and his father and d- dementia and in the relatives, a, a tremendous um, death and destruction, and we know that it's not of God. We we come against this demonic activity. It seems like it used to be yearly that catastrophes that were occurring, and now it turns into months and in weeks and almost daily. There's demonic things that are occurring, and we. We don't know what even an, an hour or a minute holds, but we thank you, Father, that you hold us in the, the holiness of your hand. We thank you, Father, for, for Martha and her wonderful children and grandchildren. We pray a special blessing of protection around them. We pray for other members of our congregation, Lord, that are really um, seeking uh, the truth, the life, and the way, and, and it just didn't seem many months ago we could we could call on Lee Gross to have a special number and he he'd follow my my prayer with just a, a God sent message of of music and we know that Lee is at home with the Lord where there's no sickness no more sorrow no more death and no more suffering and Father we pray that you would open this scripture now as Mike prepares to come and and share from his heart in Luke chapter 9, verses 7 through 11. And we, we pray, Father, for so many other prayer requests that for those who have experienced a death and loss of life and, and jobs and, and are in financial distress. As you taught us all to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And as I read from Luke chapter 9, verses 7 through 11, I trust that you will follow along and those by way of other means of communication whether you're hearing us by way of television or radio, 
we're trying to get the sound just um, like it's almost in the room with you. And, and I know there are those who read lips, read lips, and we're trying to get the camera focused in as closely as we can to those who are speaking so you can kind of read lips too. And I'm getting to a point too where I just really appreciate, you know, a close distances because I, I, I like to not only hear people speak, but I like to be able to see what they're actually saying by the movement of their mouth. So we're kind of working on those and I know that you're concerned about um, hearing everything properly and, and we're um, taking all your considerations in mind, but at this time we're gonna turn to Luke chapter nine. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter nine, verses seven through 11, please. God's word gives us some instruction here about the importance of, of leaning on God. And as we work our way through um, Luke, these are powerful scriptures that deal with Luke. Luke was a physician. His audience was primary Gentile on Jews. That, you know, the Jews really appreciate the Gentile perspective here as Luke Shares Luke chapter 9, verses 7 through 11, please. Keep in mind that Herod here was perplexed. He was per perplexed like the world is per perplexed. God wants to take his word into the world, and, and in many churches the world is coming into the church. But Herod's, Herod's perplexity here is also recorded in Matthew's Gospel, the 14th chapter, and Luke's Gospel, the 6th chapter. Now Herod, the ruler, heard about all that had taken place. And Herod was, say it with me, perplexed. perplexed. Because it was said by some that John had been raised from the dead. By some that Elijah had appeared and by others that one of the ancient prophets had arisen. Herod said, John, I beheaded. But who is this about whom I hear such things? And he tried, he tried to see him. And on on their return, the apostles told Jesus all things they had done. He took them with them and withdrew into a private, privately to a city called Bethsaida. And when the crowds found out about it, they followed Jesus and he welcomed them. And he spoke to them about the kingdom of God, and heal those who needed to be cured. And God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Good morning. Now back then, word had spread about Jesus and his miracles as well. But King Herod had heard from him, about him. Herod piqued his curiosity and wanted to meet Jesus. 
I think part of it was just natural curiosity about what he had heard Jesus had done, the healings and the miracles. But I think with King Herod, the major part of it was his lust for power. Jesus had claimed kingship. This was unacceptable to Herod. He would eliminate any potential or actual rival that would go for his power. The Bible said that Herod was perplexed when he heard about Jesus raising John the Baptist. He himself had put John the Baptist to death. And this was being somebody going after his power. The use of the word perplexing here, I think, was interesting. Some of it may be, perhaps, that Herod felt at least a little tiny twinge of guilt over having John the Baptist put to death. A guilty conscience often brings confusion and perplexity. That's why I say that. And John, why he was put to death was John had rebuked King Herod himself for having relations with his brother's wife. That's pretty sick. And that partially led to his execution. The reason, other reason King Herod wanted to see Jesus besides the idle curiosity about his miracles was his apparent quest to take Herod's power. He was his political rival. If he was a king, Herod was the king. His emotion was misdirected here. And he had heard of Jesus' claim for kingship. In verse 10, the disciples returned to Jesus. Something important to notice about the return, when they left in 9-1, they were called learners. Learners. When they returned from their preaching mission, they were called apostles. Apostle means they were sent with authority and a message. And now Jesus took them to Bethsaida. Seda. That was a remote place where he would bless the men, the apostle he had delegated his work to. I thought about that. You know what? Jesus blesses us the same way that he wanted to bless his apostles in Bethsaida. They still remained disciples, but now they brought the Jesus' message with authority. So they were called apostles. Notice they told them all that they had done. And that's why Jesus took them privately because he cared deeply about his disciples and wanted to hear what happened. He knew, but he wanted to hear from them. This shows his deep concern for not only his apostles, but that deep concern carries into you and your life, your feelings. Jesus cares. If he could take you apart and tell you, he would. He loves us the same way he loved his apostles. Word had spread where Jesus went, and the disciples grew with a great, they went to Bethsaida, and a great crowd followed them. Jesus wanted to be alone with them, but a great crowd 
naturally followed them. Despite being followed, this didn't upset Jesus. They didn't wreck his plans. He welcomed them. He taught them about the message of the kingdom, God's kingdom. And furthermore, and ultimately for them, he performed healing miracles on the sick. Thank you. Thank you for that um, background information there. Um, outside my door for the last few years, I've hung a plaque and it's Gold Star mothers who lost their loved ones in Afghanistan during the um, administration of VO, Barack Obama. Such a tragedy occurred, and I don't think I need to brief you on what's been going on in the world. Our scripture here um, marks in this passage the power, the power of a bad conscience. I hope you all brought your consciences with you today. I hope um, by the time I'm through, you can um, have a clear conscience. A clear conscience is something that you can get in intimacy with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The first thing that we need to mark in this passage is the power of a bad, a very bad, bad conscience. And as I look out into the world, and not only to those who have a worldview, of our culture and times, but those who have a religious view or a Christian view, I know there's many that do not have a clear conscience. They seem to be more governed by politics or a pol political party than Jesus, who is the truth and the life and the way. We are told that when Herod, Tetrarch, heard, heard of all that was done, rumors passed quite quickly and vividly for all those things that were done by our Lord Jesus Christ. It said he was what? He was perplexed. Have you ever been perplexed? I think our country, our world is going through a, a, a perplexity that we've never imagined. He said, John... Herod said, John, have I beheaded? But who is this? Who is this? Now, as great and powerful as John was, the tidings, the tidings of, of our Lord's ministry called his sins to remembrance the sins of Herod, and disturbed Herod even in his royal palace, even in his presidency. We don't refer to it as a, as a white house, but it was white. It was even a sense of purity in those days to have white granite to try to distract the people from what was going on the rulership behind. He was powerful as he was. He, in, he was great and powerful as he was. But the tidings, the tidings are a sense of the good news of our Lord's ministry 
called his sins to remembrance. That's why you and I, we need to gather each and every Sunday to have a little tune-up, a little tune-up of our mind and our body, our soul and our spirit. Are we developing more a worldview on life, or is it a Christian, a religious view on life? And some people can't even understand what the difference is. And when we anchor ourselves in meditating on the Word of God through our daily meditations, whether it be through the upper room or the daily bread, and we have many devotionals back there. I'm hoping that I heard for a while that the print was seen to be so tiny, so we started ordering large print, large print. One of our members who doesn't come here as much as she used to, um, we make sure she gets the, the um, upper rooms, and Margaret Pearson, she puts out over 22, over 22 upper rooms to make sure that her relatives are in the light on what's going on in the world. Surrounded, surrounded as Herod was by everything which he considered to make his life, his life enjoyable. And those who rule and maybe reign for us, they are surrounded by their cabinets and their, their spin makers. The report of another preacher, another preacher of righteousness filled Herod with alarm. Herod, the leader, the leader was alarmed. In the recollection of his, his own wickedness in killing and beheading John the Baptist must have flashed in and out of his mind and he knew what he had done, the wrong that he had committed. He felt guilty like many of us do when we don't follow the truth and the life and the way or we don't follow Jesus. He felt guilty, he felt self-condemnation and a, a sense of self-dissatisfaction. And faithful and true is that sailing, saying of Solomon that the way of transgressors is hard. To transgress, to do other than the truth, the life, and the way is a hard way to go, according to Proverbs chapter 13, 15. And Herod's sin had had found him out like many of our sins. They cannot be hidden from God and they find us out. Anything that's unconfessed and not repented of, the, the prison and the, the sword had silenced John the Baptist's tongue, but, but they could not silence the voice of Herod's, Herod's inward, inward conscience. God's truth can neither be silenced nor bound nor be killed conscience God says there's going to be coming in a day and an hour when even the very elect the very teachers and preachers of the word the very elect will be led astray by their own desires and I'm very critical 
of many pulpits today that are not rightly dividing the word of truth. Conscience is a, is a, is a most powerful part of, of our natural constitution. It cannot save our souls. Our consciences cannot save our souls. It, it never leads a person to Christ. It's often blind. Our consciences are blind and, and, and ignorant and, and misdirected. Yet conscience often raises a mighty testimony, a mighty testimony about against sin in the, in the sinner's heart and and makes one feel that it's an awful and evil and a, a bitter thing to depart from God. Young persons, young persons, and I could give you an example from even my own family who came on some bad words over a cell phone, words they'd never seen or heard before, and how their adult grandparents were just alerted and alarmed and through the alertness and the alarmness of grandparents and, and how those four little words entered their spirits and how they were devastated. Young persons ought especially to remember this and remembering it to take heed take heed to their ways like we need to take heed to our ways and let them not flatter themselves that that all is right because God says in the last day there's going to be many that come trying to tickle our ears and kind of flatter us flatter us flatter themselves that all is right when their sins are past and done and forgotten by the world even the church is losing the sense of lightness and directedness and salt and leaven. Let them know that conscience can bring up each sin before the eyes of their minds and make it bite, bite like a serpent. Millions will testify at the last day that, that Herod's, that Herod's experience was their very own. Their very own conscience calls out old sins from their graves and their lack of integrity and within the air force i was part of a of a three word sense of commitment that's gone to through the all forces a, a form of model that was designed some 30 years ago that service that integrity in all things, service before self, and a sense of excellency. And regardless of what one you put first, whether it's your integrity or your service before self or excellence in all things, conscience calls out old sins from their graves and, and made them walk up and down in their hearts. Picture yourself, your mind, your, your body, your soul and spirit is 
as one of those etch-a-sketches and you etch a little bit in your life of evil and sin and how you can just erase it by the blood of Christ and bring it before Christ and the blood of Christ. That in the midst of seeming happiness and prosperity, they were inwardly miserable and, and distressed. But happy are they who have found the only cure for a bad conscience. Nothing will ever heal it but the blood of Christ. Say it with me, the blood of Christ. And let us mark secondly, according to this scripture here, the importance to Christians, the two Christians of, of occasional privacy. Occasional privacy and, and retirement. We are told that, that when the apostles returned from their first ministerial work, our Lord took them, took them and went aside privately into a desert, into a desert place. We cannot doubt that this was done with with a sense of deep meaning, deep meaning. It was, it was meant to, to teach the, the great lesson that those who do public work as Christians, we are to always do our work public and train privately for, for the souls of others must be very careful to make time for being alone with God and refurbishing ourselves. I know many people that are more concerned about how their living room looks and in their carpet than their souls and their spirits. The lesson is, is one which many Christians would do well to remember, that occasional, occasional retirement, self-inquiry, meditation, and secret communion with God are absolutely essential to our spiritual health and our spiritual welfare. The person who neglects them is in great danger, in great danger of a fall, to be always preaching, to always teaching or speaking or writing and working. Public works is unquestionably, it's unquestionably a, a sign of zeal. But is it not always a sign of zeal according to knowledge, it often leads to an untoward consequences. And I've seen it in many ministerial colleagues that started out on the, the narrow road and expanded to the wide road. But it's not always a sign of zeal according to knowledge. It, it often leads to untoward consequences. We must make time occasionally for sitting down and, and calmly looking within and examining how matters stand between ourselves and, and Christ. And that's why in Hebrews, the writer says, forsake ye not the assembling of one another together. As you see the day coming, the, the omission of the practice is, is true count of many a backsliding which shocks the church and gives occasion to the world for blasphemy. Many in my ministry in Deer River were, were um, challenged. They, they seem to 
increase in their membership during the summer. And oftentimes, they would consider it a real blessing when people were coming up from the south and going to the lake, and the lakes were overpopulated, and they felt they wanted to get away from people from the lakes, so they'd come to church on Sundays. And just the reverse of what I experienced in Staples were people in Staples that had cabins and they'd want to retreat during the summer and come back in the fall. To be always preaching or teaching or speaking or writing and working public works is unquestionably a sign of zeal. We must make time occasionally for sitting down and calmly looking within ourselves and examining how matters stand between ourselves and Christ. We kind of call that introspection, cleansing the soul by the blood of Christ. And, and the omission of these practices is the true account of many a backsliding, which shocks the church and gives occasion to the world to, to blaspheme. Many could say with, with sorrow in the words of the canticles and the extracurricular books of the Bible that we find in Catholic teachings, they, they made me a keep, keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard have I not kept. And let us mark lastly in this passage our Lord Jesus Christ readiness to receive, to receive all with that would come to Jesus. We, we are told that, that when the multitudes, the multitudes followed Jesus into the deserts, whether he, from which he had retired, he he received them, and he spake unto them of the kingdom of God and, and healed them that had been of need of healing. And that kingdom of God was a transformation of their inner life, their inner mind, their inner body, their, their heart, their sense of clean conscience and clear conscience. And, and unmannerly and, and uninvited as this instruction, intrusion in Jesus' life and his privacy seems to have been it, it met with no rebuff, no rebuff from our Lord. He was always more ready to give instruction than people were to ask it and more willing to teach than people were to be taught. But the incident, but the incident trifling as it may seem, exactly tallies with all that we we read in the gospel of the good news of the gentleness and the, and the condescension of Christ that he, he, though was God, became human, a servant. We, we never see Jesus dealing with people according to their, their deserts. Jesus would rather have you speak healing and, and speak of what you want to occur rather than telling him of all the chaos and the confusion. We, we never find Jesus scrutinizing the motives of his hearers or refusing to allow them to learn of, of him because their hearts were not right in the sight of God. 
His ear was always ready to hear and his hand to work and his, and his tongue to preach and teach. None that came to Jesus were ever, were ever cast away. Whatsoever they might think of the doctrine of Jesus in this new teaching, they, they could never say that Jesus of Nazareth when it was an austere man. And let us remember this, that in all our dealings with, with Christ and his teachings about our own souls and our own relationship as we love God with all our hearts, minds, bodies, souls, and spirit and our neighbor as ourselves, we may draw near to Jesus with boldness and open our hearts to Jesus with confidence that he is a savior of infinite, uncompromising compassion and loving kindness that Jesus will not break the bruised reed. Can you imagine that? Jesus would not break the bruised reed nor quench the, the smoking flax, the scripture says. The secrets of our spiritual life may be such as we would not have any of our dearest friends know. The wounds of our consciences may be deep and sore and requ require much delicate he handling and healing, but we need not fear anything if we commit, com commit ourselves to Jesus, the Son of God. Father, this morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed and those by way of television and radio, we shall all find that in Jesus, Jesus' kindness is unbounded. His own words shall be found abundantly true that he says, I am meek and, and lowly of heart, and ye shall find rest in your souls, according to Matthew chapter 229. And let us remember today that as, as we renew our spirits and, and we have that, that oil of gladness, as we have an oil change in our, our minds and our bodies and our souls, and as we have this checkup, let us remember this, that finally in our dealing with other people, if we are called upon to give them help about their souls, let us strive to walk in the steps of Christ's example, and like Jesus, to be kind and patient and always willing to aid. In the ignorance of young beginners in religion is sometimes very, very, very provoking. We, we are apt to be wearied of, of their instability and their fearlessness and, and halting between two opinions. But, but let us remember Jesus and, and let us not be wary. For Jesus who received all spake to all and did well to all. And let us Go and do likewise. As Christ deals with us, so let us deal one with another. With every head bowed and every eye closed, and we, we treasure those testimonies and those who will write in and call in and have made first-time decisions to Christ or, or rededications to Christ. And sometimes rededications to Christ are much more difficult than first-time decisions. And that's why I find it necessary to go through the ABCs of the sinner's prayer each and every time, whether it be a funeral or whether it be a public event, to lead people in steps to peace with God so that they can incarnate those words and, and, and share the ABCs with their friends that, that A, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and that B, we need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and then we need to 
C, confess Christ as our Lord and Savior. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let us pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I admit that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. And things I've done and left undone. I need to believe in you, Jesus. Not only in my head and my heart, but my whole being. And help me, O oh Lord, to confess you, to boldly proclaim you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. At this time, as the ushers come and wait upon you for this morning's offering, let us turn in our bulletins to our offertory prayer. Would you join me in this offertory prayer? God of power and might, through the ages, you have reminded us through prophets and apostles that we are called to battle, not with one another, but against the powers of darkness and evil. It is this battle that sends children to bed with empty bellies, while others have so much food it damages their health. It is a battle that imprisons those whose only crime is poverty, while those with more than they could ever spend lose sleep, scheming how to get more. As we make our gifts to you this day, may we remember on which side we're on. In the precious, loving name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Would you join me in our offertory hymn, Living for Jesus, A Life That Is True, Red Hymnals number 380, with refrains after verses 1 and 4, please.
stand for with me for the doxology, please. Eternal God, our, our time in this life is, is so limited and, and our days are, are numbered, yet thou hast reminded us that if we are wise and, and we use that time well, you have an eternity waiting for us that is beyond our imagination. Help us to focus on what we have and what we can share and how the gifts we offer this day can bless others until we are joined with them and your children. We give you their hearts and gratitudes for the rest of our eternity. In Christ we prayed. Amen. If there's any announcement. Last night, Michael and I were on the phone with a brother in the Lord by the name of Clint. His wife is going through a lot of health issues. He's not happy. He feels his prayers are unanswered. He feels hopeless. Just pray that he will stand firm and have him know that God's healing is not man's healing. And just show him through his word and just pray that he will get through this and this will make his marriage with him and his wife stronger. Robin, why don't you lead us in a word of prayer right now? Lord, right now, we lift up Clint and Judy yes, with everything going on. We know you're the promise maker. You're the, you're, the, you're the light of this world. We know that when two more gather, things do happen. May not happen on our time, but happens on your time. Lord, right now, Everything going on, we come against it. We come against the lies yes. of Satan. We come against all this garbage that's going on. We come against this virus because we know this is a lie. We come against all this stuff that are making churches compromise. You do not compromise the word of God. You do not add the word of God. You do not add or take away. It even says on scripture. Lord, right now, we pray this, that you will take our nation and give us godly leaders and turn this country the way it should be. Yes. Those soldiers in Afghanistan, our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan, they need you more than, I hate to say it, than people in this country because they, have, they put us to shame. They're willing to die for you, Lord. I'm asking every church in this, in this country, if the people in Afghanistan and China and the underground churches are willing to die for the Lord, what about you? Or are you just going to cave and go with what the road says? You need to think about that. And Lord, our brothers and sisters in the underground, make them so strong and have them become missionaries and have them come to the United States because our country has lost her way. We pray this in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. Amen. Any other announcements or concerns that we may have here?
Thank you, Robin and Tina and Gary. You want to take us out there, Gary? Mm -hmm. 